Hey folks, welcome to the Friday show here on Culture Jack. I'm Dustin and I'll be your host. Today I'll be talking about what the world looks like after the coronavirus has ravaged society. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. And before I get into the actual episode here, Anthony did ask me on Monday's episode and during Monday Madness in reference to his ability to recall stand-up comedy specials by year of release instead of by name, if I had any special savant-like abilities. Um, So Anthony, what can I say about that gift you have? They say superpowers aren't real, but you know what? I think, I think based on what you said, I think they are. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm not sure if I have anything quite like that as far as like memory goes. I actually have a terrible memory, in fact. Um, I, can't, I can't drop a, a box of matchsticks on the ground and tell you how many there are with just a glance. I also cannot sit down at a blackjack table and make loads of money for my, my brother, Charlie Babbitt, <laughs> who I don't realize is taking advantage of my special gift. So basically what I'm trying to say is I'm not Dustin Hoffman from the 1988 classic Rain Man. Uh, no, though I, I can't do all of that. The thing that I thought of first when you asked your question, Anthony, uh, was that I have an uncanny ability to know what time it is. <laughs> And I mean that I, I I look at the time a lot. Whether it's you know taking out my phone, looking at a wall wall clock, and and so I think that rhythm gets mapped to my brain. Then uh, through the day, I'll just feel like it's a certain certain time. I'll take my phone out to check, and and sure enough, I'm usually within ten minutes of the actual time. I I know that's uh, not neatly comparable. To your superpower, uh, Anthony, but it's what I thought of when I was listening to your episode on Monday. And uh, and uh, wouldn't that be a, a terrible superhero comic if those were our, our actual powers? All right, she. There's a robbery, she. We're going to kill a hostage every hour until we get what we want. And what we want is to know who released comedy specials in 2018, 2014, 2012, and 1998. You hear that, Captain? Release date? I think the police need our help on this one. By George, you're right, guesstimation boy. Let's get to that bank. We'll take the innuendo copter. You know what time it is. You bet I do. I'm pretty close anyway. <laughs> There, there's several things about that act out that we should discuss. Why are these two superheroes fighting, fighting criminals from the Dick Tracy film? Uh, why are they uh, all 1920s-style mobsters? Why did I immediately assume the role of boy sidekick? I mean, I wrote the thing. And, and, and finally, um, what kind of mode of transport is the innuendo copter? Really? It's, uh, it's kind of hard to tell. So let's get into the show. All right, welcome back to the to the Friday show, everybody. I've missed you terribly. It's been a long week. Um, 
uh, though I have missed you, I've collected enough of your hair uh, to, to make not just one doll, but three 18-inch figures. Uh, it's how I'm, I'm keeping sane during this quarantine. Uh, these three are, though, in a very tumultuous love triangle, and I don't know how long they'll be able to, to continue being cooped up together. So quarantines, love triangles, hair dolls. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the coronavirus. If you didn't immediately turn off the podcast because you're tired of coronavirus news, reviews, hot takes, and opinions, well, well, thank you. Thank you for sticking around. You know, I'm sick of it too, but honestly, it's on my mind lately. Not only has this virus taken lives, made many people sick, but as I alluded to last week, it has caused or deepened divisions between everyday people. People are scared, they're frustrated, they're tired, they're angry, they're sad. And otherwise, they're just, they're very emotional. It's a very emotional, tense time right now. Most people are on lockdown and there's only a finite amount of TikTok nonsense that a person can watch every day. So of course, that energy has to go somewhere. And most of the time, that somewhere is not writing a book or, or painting your next set of pieces for the art gallery you're going to open up after it's all said and done. Most of the time, it's putting those emotions out onto other people. And this is made worse by the news that we're getting every single day. I, I read an article about the nation's meat processors needing to shut down uh, due to uh, reduced demand. And that, in, in turn, they're being forced to euthanize thousands of animals, just food waste. The article brushed up against the fact that the food supply chain may be buckling under the weight of this pandemic. World and national economies are fractured, if not on their way to being broken entirely. Uh, well, I guess I, <laughs> I guess that's what fractured what fractured means. Nobody's driving, hardly anybody's flying. Oil prices are the lowest they've been in decades. Entire fleets of aircrafts and cruise ships are sitting idle with dramatically reduced customers. Areas that rely on tourism for their business and jobs are struggling, and businesses the world over are being forced to lay off employees or, you know, shut their doors for good. People are simultaneously worried about their job, feeding their family, getting sick, or inadvertently getting someone else sick. Not to mention, too many people are concerned with how goofy we all look in these damn masks. Uh, my wife sent me an article from the BBC that highlights new research showing that the antibodies from COVID-19 patients after they've had the virus did not last in the body nearly as long as the normal virus does thereby leaving some vulnerable to reinfection. And this is kind of a core tenet of the production of vaccines. Now, I pulled this quote from publichealth.org, so you can go check it out. Check it out yourself. <clears throat> a vaccine works by training the immune system to recognize and combat pathogens, either viruses or bacteria. To do this, certain molecules from the pathogens must be introduced into the body to trigger an immune response. These molecules are called antigens, and they are present in all viruses and bacteria. By injecting these antigens into the body, the immune system can safely learn to recognize them as hostile invaders, produce antibodies, and remember them for the future. If the bacteria or virus reappears, the immune system will recognize the antigens immediately and attack aggressively, well before the pathogen can spread and cause sickness. So whether a person has these antibodies naturally by way of being infected or has them because 
they've received a vaccine, if they don't stay in the body, well, you're just as at risk as you were before. And though the BBC article does state that a vaccine will likely be developed, and even if it doesn't ward off the virus entirely, it may still reduce the effects of being infected. The main emphasis of the article was, though, what if this is our new normal? Now, it's not my intention to make you paranoid or more anxious than you were before you tuned in to hear me make this fantasy version of myself to be a sidekick to a fantasy version of Anthony. No, but it is on my mind, and that article did get me thinking. What if this is the end of our lives of comfort, our our technologically heavy, information-soaked modern society? What if the coronavirus dystopia comes to pass? And before I go on, I want to preface this by saying that next week, the episode is going to focus on the other side of the virus and how we return to the world in a better and maybe more aware way. So don't let these doomsday prophecies drive you into a deep, dark depression. This is all a, a work of fiction. So here we go. July 18th, 2020. The year is 2020, and this summer holds the promise of everything this spring was supposed to be. Unfortunately, we'd lost thousands of lives due to the coronavirus pandemic, but local governments and communities were opening back up, and the hordes of unshaven and disheveled people came stumbling out of their homes. It was time to get back to work. It was time to get back to living. November 26th, 2020. It's been an unusual Thanksgiving today, that's for sure. Aunt Renee couldn't make it. She's tending to Uncle Witt's fever at home. They think it's coronavirus, but he already had it back in May. They told us more tests are coming later next week, so we should know by then. Since the surge in new COVID cases this month and the month before, We've been taking new precautions. We don't, we don't even go over to mom and dad's anymore. Right now, they're propped up on my iPhone next to, the, next to the gravy. Similarly, we don't go to the store. We've got a recurring order from the new grocery delivery app, COVID Pandinner 19. You know, there was a big scuffle on the internet over how insensitive the name of the app was, but you really couldn't argue with the service. It was top notch. March 4th, 2021. The president says Americans are in for a tough haul in the coming months. He wasn't kidding. The relief bill, it stalled out in Congress over some nonsense like it always does. It's not like it matters that much anymore. The checks they've been sending have been less and less. They've had less buying power. It's lost so much value so quickly. We only know a couple people who are working a steady job now, but even they're struggling because nobody's out buying anything. Nobody is going anywhere. Everyone is too afraid or they've already abandoned the system altogether. September 16th, 2021. The Netflix riots. (laughs) Well, the, the widespread mass hysteria that came after the servers couldn't maintain the burden placed on them. Or at least that's the official statement on the streaming services. The prevailing theory is that the executives saw the writing on the wall 
and they shut the whole thing down. They weren't making any money. This really got people who were already frustrated and impatient just absolutely boiling. We were supposed to be watching Peaky Blinders. We were supposed to be watching the second season of Tiger King. Without these distractions, it was really easy to see why people took to the streets. Didn't have to get violent though. It didn't have to, but it did. October 1st, 2022. Nobody is working anymore. At least not in a way that we all knew a couple years ago. A bunch of us have gotten together and formed small communities. The internet's gone, at least for folks like us, so we don't really know what's going on uh, in the outside world anymore. Some people get sick, some people get better, some people don't. We farm, we work the land, we hunt, we fish. We support each other where we can. The dollar isn't worth anything anymore, so we, we barter for what we produce and share what we can't barter. The new medieval age, that's what they're calling it. For my part, I, I help where I can. I plant potatoes, I help move dirt. I try to learn what I can from those who spent more of their life working with their hands. I gather as many people around the fire as I can to host my weekly Friday storytelling of Culture Jacked. Tech, entertainment, and gaming news isn't what it used to be, sure, but the guests I host on the program are dramatically and objectively better. We don't have the distractions we once did. We're all more in the moment. May 14th, 2024. Another cold, hard winter had just passed, and people who were less prepared, who, who didn't band together as early as we did, well, they've become desperate, and in their desperation have made their way of life by taking what is not theirs. The raiding parties usually ended the same way for larger communities like ours. Some of ours are killed or stolen away, but we usually take out a few of them during the exchanges as well. The smaller communities we hear are getting completely wiped out. We also hear that the raiders are bolstering their numbers and they're getting bolder every day. Sure, it, it was the coronavirus that started us down this path that kicked off this apocalypse, but it easily could have been anything else. We were so close to this regression. All the world needed was a little push. Was that too dark? <laughs> uh, hopefully I figured out how to separate that little scenario from the rest of my commentary on this episode. So to distinguish it, um, maybe I'll have uh, put in some light musical soundtrack or something. I'm not sure. Um, I guess you'll find, you'll find out when you're listening to this once, once it's all edited. But that generic apocalypse scenario that we've laid out for you here at Culture Jack is not what I suspect will happen or what I hope will happen or where I think this is all headed, but it could. And so it's, it's fun and I think necessary to think about. I was talking a little bit with a self-proclaimed doomsday prepper, and he was saying that though he was excited at one point for the end of the rat race of the current world, and he was ready for the world to change, and he's prepared for it, he started to think in a, a little bit different way. Yeah, he's ready, he said. He's got the supplies, he's got the guns, he's got the medicine, but he started to think of it in terms of how stressful it would be. Even if he has these things, he'd have to defend these against desperate people who weren't as prepared 
or from people who frankly were just straight up evil. At that point, he mused, would surviving even be living at all? How many missed showers would make him stop trying? How many sleepless, anxious nights protecting himself and his family could he take? How much cold or heat could he stand to bear that he would still be able to find joy in his life? I chose this as the topic for the podcast today because this anxious time, for me at least, it seems like has been one of some pretty investigative self-reflection, at least on my part. You know, how prepared am I for the world to turn upside down? How prepared are you? We can't be faulted for living outside the world as it is. And as it is, even still, it's pretty dang comfortable. If anything, though, maybe this virus has awoken a need in some of us to pursue a skill or a talent beyond Instagram fitness influencer or video game designer. Maybe this pandemic has jolted us into the realization that we don't know our neighbors as well as we should. Maybe this turmoil has cast light on the fact that we don't have a three-month food supply should things go wrong, or the real necessity, as we've all come to discover, enough toilet paper. I believe there's a lot of people who prepare for society collapse and apocalypse events with passion and excitement, who aggrandize and even romanticize the idea of a world that we know coming to an end. And why wouldn't they? They've prepared their whole lives for that moment. They've, they've buried school buses. They've stockpiled canned goods. They've mastered the elements to turn wind into power and, and, and trained to become deadly proficient marksmen with their weaponry. I also believe that many of us, though, are coming to the realization of how underprepared we are and how much the loss of all that we know could really actually suck. Before I sign off this Friday, I want to ask you folks listening, and you, Anthony, so it'll be my question for the episode. In what ways do you feel like you are prepared for the world as we know it to grind to a crawl or even grind to a a stop completely? And in what ways do you feel unprepared? Or what lessons have you taken away from this worldwide event? Make sure to tune in on Monday to catch Anthony's answer. And like I said before, stay tuned for part two of this coronavirus dystopia next week.